tell you what, it's great to be back with you this morning. Uh, last week we were watching the service from sunny Florida and uh, watching it in Sarah's parents' living room on the TV. And uh, that was the first time, well, when we, had, when, we, when we had COVID, we were able to watch at home as well. But um, it, was, uh, it was very, very unique and, and we enjoyed it. Uh, we def- definitely miss being together as well. Over the next two weeks, uh, actually the next, next week, this week and next week, we're going to look at some of the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to finish it on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we're going to look at the seventh I am statement of Christ. And Palm Sunday, we're going to look at the passage of the triumphal entry. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of where we're going. But what I wanted to do is we're, we're going to be spending all this time talking about Jesus, right? That's what Easter is all about. It's about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How would you... What would you say if somebody asked you that question? Who is Jesus to you? Well, Jesus tells us exactly who he is. And he highlights it in the seven I am statements. But let me ask you this question this morning before we really get going. Who who are you? How would you define yourself? Have you ever thought about that before? If If I gave you one minute, one minute to tell Tony about you, what would you say? You ever see those, those things where people are speed dating, where they go into this room and there's a whole bunch of chairs and you have about three minutes to talk to someone and tell them who you are and then you have to move to another chair and tell them who you are? How would you describe yourself? I hope some of you would say, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm redeemed. Maybe you'd say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Some of you might say, I'm a huge basketball fan or I'm a huge runner. I'm an avid painter. I'm a lover of books. I'm an author. I'm a trucker. I'm a farmer. I'm a mother, father, sister, brother, aunt, uncle. I'm a diehard Coca-Cola drinker. No Pepsi for me. I'm a huge Eagles fan, which is usually followed by I have high blood pressure. (laughs) You can define yourself at surface level, but what, what happens... When you look deeper than that, who are you really? If you had to say, I am, how would you describe yourself? Many people knew of Jesus. Many people knew about Jesus. They'd heard of many of the great things that Jesus had done. But who was Jesus? Who is Jesus, really? How did he define himself? What did Jesus want us to know about him? In the book of John, he gives us seven statements telling us who he is. And we learn a lot about Jesus in the book of John, but these statements are special. See, Jesus doesn't do anything by accident, right? We know that. There there is no such thing as coincidence. You've heard me say that before. There's no such thing as luck. I'm sorry. Jesus communicates exactly what he wants us to know, and they all begin with the two words, I am. Now, that's very significant, right? Because in saying I am, Jesus is pointing us back to the Old Testament. And we'll look at the verse in Exodus next week. But Jesus is telling us that he is God. Right? He is God. And he's equal with the Father. So over the next three out of four weeks, we're going to be looking at the I am statements of Jesus. But today we're going to look at three of them. Let me start out by saying what the seven statements are. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. There are a couple of other instances where Jesus says, I am. And we'll actually look at those as well. But but those are not part of the I am statements that we oftentimes will say are the seven statements. 
We start today by looking at the book of John chapter 15. So if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to John 15 with me? John 15, and we're going to look at where Jesus says, I am the true vine. What in the world does that mean? And what does it mean for me today? Because what Jesus communicated back in the New Testament is still applicable to us today. Amen? You believe that? I, I can't preach by myself this morning. I need your help. Amen? Amen, right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And so what Jesus says in the New Testament applies to us today. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Don't forget those three words. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We need to abide in him. John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Think about that statement for a moment. We're so quick to pat ourselves on the back for the way that we treat each other or the way that we, we, we act in this or the accomplishments that we, we have in life. But Jesus says this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, take all that pride and throw it away. Because it's Christ through you. If I boast in anything, I'm going to boast in Christ, right? Who's doing the work in my life. I need to be a good Christian. I need to work on my patience. I need to work on my love for others. I don't treat my spouse well. I know I need to work in all these things. And I've been trying my best to do it, but I just can't get there. You know why? Because apart from Christ, you can do nothing. You want to work on your patience? You want to work on your love? You want to work on the way you treat other people? You need to abide in the vine. This morning I planned to bring Sarah's blow dryer with me to church. And I forgot. Then I planned to text Sarah and ask her to bring it. And I forgot. So pretend with me this morning that I have a blow dryer in my hand. I was going to ask Bernie to come up and help me with this illustration, but <laughs> I didn't think it would really help us that much. I'm sorry, Bernie. I had to, brother. <laughs> if I'm holding a blow dryer in my hand, what good is it if it's not plugged into the power source? Right? It doesn't work. I can hit all the buttons. I can do everything that I want to, and it doesn't do anything. But the moment I plug it in to the power source, all of a sudden, that blow dryer reaches its potential. I'm holding a tablet in my hand this morning. That was planned. How was that? The tablet has a little bit of battery in it. It's not plugged in. But if I leave it like this, it's going to die. What good is it? Dead. Serves no purpose. It's never going to reach its potential unless it's connected to its power source. And realize, and hear, hear what I'm saying this morning, you need to be connected to the vine. 
If you aren't connected to the vine, then what are you? You are on your own. And what does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you aren't connected to the vine, you can do nothing. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to Jesus? When's the last time you actually spent time with the Lord? What does it mean to abide in the vine? It means to spend time with the Lord. It means to be growing in your walk with him. Well, Tony, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure if I'm really abiding in the vine. How am I supposed to know that? How am I really supposed to know if I'm growing in my walk with the Lord? Well, what, is, what does he say? He says that we will be known by our fruits, right? The, the branch that's abiding in the vine will bear fruit. Well, what do we mean by fruit? Well, the Bible tells us, Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you are abiding in the vine, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in your life. And if you're not, they won't be. If you're wondering this morning why you're someone that's not patient, that's not kind, that's not loving, maybe, maybe you need to check where you're plugged into. Because we can plug ourselves into a lot of things in our lives, can't we? We can try and charge up with this or with that, but the reality of it is nothing will fill you up the way that Christ does. Nothing will fill you up the way Christ does. And we'll look at that in a minute when we look at this statement, I am the bread of, I am the bread of life. Think about your life for a moment. What fruit is God producing through you? If you aren't connected to Jesus, you're never going to reach your potential. And if you aren't connected to Jesus, you're wasting your life. You might be making good money, you might be making good memories, you might be having a good time, but if you aren't connected to Jesus, you're wasting your life. One of the things that we love about going to Florida, I should say I love, I, I, Sarah's parents have a hot tub out back. And once we get the kids to bed, I can go outside and I can sit in their hot tub and it's silent, there's no noise, no lights on, and I can just look up at the stars. It's so relaxing. And I was looking up at the stars this time when we were down there. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you get one life. And your life is so limited. I'm thinking of myself. I get one life. My life is so limited. The amount of time that I spend in my life will, will be gone before I even realize. Am I truly making the most of every moment of my life? It's a question that I think many people wrestle with as they evaluate their lives. Now, hear me, I wasn't going through some type of crisis or anything like that. I'm, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, what if God gives me 10 more years? Have I made the most of the first 30? I'm going to make sure I make the most of the next 10. And how do I do that? By abiding in the vine. Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? The Barna Research Group uh, stated the following. In the last six years alone, we've seen unprecedented changes. Nearly a quarter century ago in 1991, 45% of American adults told Barna they read their Bible at least once a week. In 2009, 46% of adults said that they did so. These percentages were remarkably consistent over the course of nearly two decades. But since 2009, Bible reading has become less widespread, especially, especially among the youngest adults. As more and more millennials join the ranks of adulthood, the national average continues to weaken. Today, about one-third of all Americans report reading the Bible at least once a week or more. The percentage is highest among elders and lowest among 
millennials. How are we supposed to abide, abide in the vine if you aren't abiding in the word of God that he has given you? Think about that with me for a moment. Everybody's different this morning. I'm, I, I'm not trying to say that you don't read your Bible. Hear me today. But it's something that we have to think about and process. Are you abiding in the vine? We live in the most blessed generation when it comes to having the Bible at our fingertips. And I think sometimes we respond almost as spoiled children in that we have so much. But it, it's no big deal. So you can go online and you can get the Bible, you can get commentaries, you can listen to sermons from all different countries around the world. You can look back at the Greek and the Hebrew and, and study all of these different things, things which were unimaginable for many people many years ago. And today, anybody can do it. Are you abiding in the vine? Are you spending time with God? Are you plugged into Christ? So this leads us to the next one. In order to abide in the vine, it tells us something. It tells us that we need Christ every single moment of every single day. Turn to John chapter 6, verse 35 this morning. And I realize these passages are a little bit longer. We're condensing them for time's sake and, and uh, reading certain parts of them. You are more than welcome. And I encourage you to go back and read the chapters as a whole. Right before we get to this passage, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people, right? And it wasn't that Jesus called Chick-fil-A. I, I thought, you know, if Jesus was going to cater the 5,000 meal, would it be Chick-fil-A? Pro probably not. Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. It wasn't with Chick-fil-A. Right? Yet he fed the 5,000 men and their families more than 5,000 people. The next day, Jesus says the following words. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now what happened right before Jesus made this statement was the feeding of the 5,000. Anyone who comes to the Lord will, have, will find enough to have their spiritual hunger and thirst fulfilled forever. We were, we were driving down, you know, the, the drive from, from here. We ended up, I was talking to Josh Foley the Sunday before we left. Josh's eyes, you know, <laughs> this is all good, man. And, 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 uh, and Josh said, you know, when we were kids, we would drive through the night. And we were planning on leaving in the morning. And, uh, and I said, he went home, I said, Sarah, we should drive through the night. And she's like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. So we left after chimes practice at 9 o'clock, or bells practice, I'm sorry, bells practice at 9 o'clock, and we drove straight through to Florida, and we got there at like 5 the next day or something like that, right? And uh, one of the things about when you drive through the night is that you're sleeping and you're not really hungry. You don't have to stop as many times. It's really nice. Thanks, Josh. It was a really great suggestion. On the way back, we drove during the day. And, and you know what I heard more than anything else as we were driving back during the day was, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry. Mom, can we have a snack? Mom, can I have another snack? Sarah, can I have a snack, right, as we were kind of driving through. <laughs> but, but again and again and again, we would find ourselves in a place of being hungry. Lunchtime, where are we going to eat? We should pick a place here. We're, we're going to get something. Are we just going to snack? What does that look like? Jesus here is saying, listen, you come to me. I will sustain your spiritual hunger and thirst forever. You don't need anything else. You're abiding in the vine. You don't need anything else because I've got it. I will take care of it. And this bread of life, this isn't only for the Israelites like the manna was, right? This bread of life is for people of every tribe, of every skin color, of every language. This is for each and every person. Jesus is trying to remind us that in this life there's more than just the physical. I, I don't know about you, but I, I love life. I love my family. And where God has put us, I love my church. Yet if, if my, my only focus is on the physical, I, I'm, I'm missing it. Because the spiritual is so much greater. David Guzik, in his commentary, writes the following. When we are hungry, we feel as though food will answer all our problems. It's the same way with almost all other practical difficulties we, we find ourselves in. Just as Jesus tried to lift their understanding above their material, physical needs, so we need to have our minds lifted. It's not just about eating bread. It's about being sustained forever. How many of you this morning have ever got grumpy hungry before? I love it because what happens is, is the husbands and wives look right at each other. The word hangry is the one that's used, right? You're getting a little hangry. You're hungry and you start to get a little angry. Maybe it's because you aren't connected to Jesus. You find yourself in a place of, of spiritual hunger. Where you feel like you're not treating your brothers and sisters right. You're not treating your family right. It's probably because you aren't connected to Jesus. Because you're not abiding in the vine. Maybe you notice what I do through all of this. That Jesus desires a relationship with us. He wants us to abide in him. He wants to be the spiritual provider. For that's who he is. That's not who he wants to be. That's who he is. And as we reflect on this Easter season, on his sacrifice, we have to ask the true question this morning. Do you know Jesus? Because the, the truth is, statistics would say that churches, even our size, have people that are attending who don't know Jesus. Sure, some of you this morning might have given your life to Christ. Maybe you're in a place right now, Tony, I'm just struggling in my walk. I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved, but I'm struggling in my faith. I'm not talking about you this morning. I'm talking about those who have never given your life to Jesus Christ this morning. If you've never done that, I'd love the chance to speak with you. I guarantee it will change your life. He desires a relationship with us. And the last one that we're going to look at this morning is found in John chapter 10. And if you could turn there real quick, if you have your Bible with you, John 10, 11 to 18. And this is going to actually lead us into next week. This is a to-be-continued sermon, right? A to-be-continued. So we're actually going to fast forward a little bit in John chapter 10. Next week we're going to come back to where Jesus says, I am the door. But what I'm going to quickly do is look at what Jesus says when he says, I am the shepherd. John 10, 11 to 18, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... 
who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Verse 18, I don't have this with me up on the screen. But no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. You know, we, we see again and again and again in the I Am statements where Jesus claims his deity. Realize for a moment, everybody listening to this statement, that I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. claims equality with God the Father. There's a song that uh, Nehemiah likes to listen to. It's uh, by Go Fish. I can't remember, but, but there's a line in the song and it goes like this. One plus one plus one equals one. That's spiritual math, right? That's spiritual math. One plus one plus one equals one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit equals one. Right before this statement, Jesus talks about how he is the door. We're going to get to that next week. Before we get there, I, I want to look at what Jesus means when he says, I am the good shepherd. And we're almost out of time this morning, so it's going to be brief. The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. That's you and me. The good shepherd provides for his sheep. To the point where the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. I was reading a story of a uh, shepherd somewhere in the world. And, and somebody had come to him and said, you know, your sheep actually don't know your voice. Your sheep know your clothing. And the shepherd said, well, I, I don't think that's the case. So here's what we're going to do. Let's change clothes. So right then and there they changed clothes. And this man who was telling the shepherd something walked over and stood where he could call the sheep. And he begins to call the sheep. And the sheep don't come. The shepherd, dressed in completely different attire, stands on the other side and begins to call the sheep. And the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and the sheep come to the shepherd. There's so much that can be said. About the good shepherd. But I want to highlight one thing this morning. As we've looked at these three different points. The true vine, the bread of life, and the good shepherd. The one thing that we continue to see is that we need Jesus. Every day. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're not going to get very far. You've got to connect to the power source. And you have to remain in Christ. Abide, right? And I, I love that verse. Abide in me. Rest in me. Find yourself in me. Be here. Connect to me. Make sure. Because if you do that, 
you'll see fruit. Fruit that will change your life and the lives of those around you. We have a Savior who leads us. The shepherd leads his sheep, guides his sheep, takes care of, and the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's such a fascinating verse. Think about it with me for a moment. A sheep. Would you give your life for a sheep? That's how much Jesus loves us. That he laid down his life for us. He desires for us to know him, to spend time with him. Next week, we're going to come back to the Good Shepherd. We're not done. But it's a to be continued. As next week, we look at what Jesus says when he says, I am the door which leads in to the Good Shepherd. Hey, would you pray with me this morning? Gracious God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for sending Jesus to pay our penalty on Calvary's cross. We thank you that Jesus was willing to do so. That he laid down his life. Nobody took his life. He laid down his life for us. Father, there are so many times in life where we try to charge in other places. We try to find fulfillment, satisfaction in other things. Things that get us nowhere and do nothing. Help us to abide in you. Lord, I pray for clarity this morning for each and every person in this room that you would help us to see if we are truly abiding in you or not. Lord, that you would bring to light the fruit in our lives. Help us to see, are, are we a branch that's producing fruit or are we one that is not? Thank you for your forgiveness and your love. In Jesus' name we pray.